This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, what's up? This is Micah here. Good to uh, be with you guys again for week number two of our podcast, Behind the Micah. And I got a couple of guests with me today who uh, are are good friends. Um, I can say that I spend a lot of time talking with them um, probably on a weekly basis. We uh, we talk um, on, uh, there's an app out there that um, maybe you guys are familiar with. and uh, I use it because I think it's fantastic. I don't care if it's old school or not. I think it's kind of like the grown people Snapchat, adult version of Snapchat maybe. Uh, but Marco Polo, we, we Marco Polo, we're in this group and we Marco Polo together. And um, actually, um, I got reacquainted with, with Matt, I know for sure, um, or I guess reacquainted. We, we hadn't um, talked very much, but uh, that was kind of how we started getting reacquainted again. Uh, and our paths had crossed before, I know. But anyways, my guests with me today uh, are Derek and Matt James. Both of them are brothers. Both of them are serving in different places. Uh, Matt is the uh, is the worship experience minister, right? The worship is was that what, was that what you would say? Was that what you would? So I'm part of the worship experience team, and if okay. any of my my friends here, that's I, I got to make sure I mention the team. So I'm not the guy. Okay. I'm just part part of the team. Okay, and and that's in that's in at Christ Church in Mason, Ohio, and uh, they're doing fantastic things. In fact, a lot of times when I have questions, Matt is the guy who I'm one of the guys who I'm calling on the phone and saying, "Hey, Matt, can you help me? Whatever, right? Help me do this kind of stuff." Matt does that. Uh, what do you do? What is a what does a worship experience guy do? What's he do? So basically anything from the moment they walk in. Um, so the, the actual title is a, a weekend experience. So the moment they walk in the door, um, so into our lobby um, to get to their seat, to what they experience during the worship experience, to the moment they leave. So any and all of that information um, goes through the team that I'm on. Um, and we plan that out. Um, we have what's called a story team meeting that's part of part of our group and so we plan that out 10 weeks in, in advance before a series comes and from the moment like i said the moment you walk in whatever you see hear, taste smell <laughs> basically is is what we're doing to try to help illustrate the the takeaway from that specific sunday um and then yeah so i, I get to do a lot of uh, tech stuff worship stuff uh it's kind of my wheelhouse i really enjoy doing that so i get to be part of a team that that does all that at christ church Awesome. Great. And uh, Derek, his, his old brother Derek is on here as well. Uh, Derek and I have, um, we got reacquainted uh, probably, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, maybe three years ago or something like that. Um, and we'll tell you about that story here in just a little bit. But Derek preaches at the Farmdale Church in Barbersville, West Virginia, which I've been to a few times. I've had the opportunity to speak, uh, had the opportunity just to visit and, and check things out there as well. Um, and, and he is the lead minister there at, at Farmdale Church in Barbersville, West Virginia. You don't, don't say Huntington, you say Barbersville. Yep, that's right, no, Barbersville. So Barbersville is, uh, I guess, like a subdivision of Huntington. A suburb of, of Huntington. I mean, there, there's a, 
Now, you don't tell that to people around here uh, because they're very Barbersville proud. So it's not uh, Barbersville and Huntington are two different things. Uh, but if you're not from here, yeah, it's pretty much just a suburb of of Huntington. So. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So cool. So both of these guys are serving uh, in their areas. And like I said, uh, I have been able to be at both. Like I said, I've been to Farmdale probably a little more than Christchurch, but I have been to Christchurch before. Uh, it's been a while since I've been over there, but uh, they're doing some great things there as well. Um, friends with Trevor DeVage and, and some of those guys. And uh, But actually, I probably talked to Matt more than I do Trevor, um, just because we're on this Marco Polo thing. So um, actually, here, here's the story behind uh, Derek and Matt. So I grew up in southeast Indiana uh, in, in, a, in a town called Versailles, Indiana. And um, I remember as a boy, my grandfather, he planted a church there. And I remember as a boy, um, the James family was a part of that church, uh, different times uh, growing up. And I, there were times where I think I remember both of you guys being at the church, whether, you know, it was running around after church, you know, playing around, whatever it was. I don't know how, how far back y'all remember that. Uh, but I definitely remember you guys when you were younger and you were uh, a part of that because ministry uh, growing up was your life, right? Would you say? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, the, and the reason this was is because their their dad, uh, Danny, was a, uh, he preached for, how many years did he preach for? That's a good question. Matt, so... you guys you were probably, I don't know. You were born. I started in ninety. Yeah, so it was it was right before I was born. I was born in ninety one. Yeah. So and then until two thousand five. Yeah. Okay. So about about fifteen years. 15 years. So all of your lives, you've done nothing but ministry. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. much being a part of it. Um, where so? Where would you guys say that you're actually like technically from? Like where? I mean, I know you kind of maybe bounced around a little bit, but like, where do you say, Hey, this is my stomping grounds. This is where I'm, this is where I'm from. I would say, um, I mean, we moved multiple times, but where we landed, um, even though it was probably is one of, one of our dad's sh shortest ministries, honestly, but where we landed was, um, in, uh, Seaman, Ohio, Winchester, Ohio, which is Adam Adams County, Ohio, a very rural area. Um, and that's where we both graduated high school. So I would feel when, when people ask me where, where I grew up, I typically say Adams County, Ohio. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same pretty much. Uh, obviously, um, you know, that, that's kind of become home, uh, for, uh, for, for me. And, and I think for Matt in a lot of ways as well. And, um, actually, uh, my wife, uh, and I, uh, both graduated from North Adams there. And, and so, uh, her family's all still there. Mom has since moved on and they live in Mason. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, even though I, I always, I always preface with that's a difficult question to answer, uh, because we moved around a lot, uh, in ministry. Um, but, uh, kind of a military brat to an extent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Except worse. Cause you're a PK. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, what is worse military brat or PK, right? <laughs> the elders kid yeah yeah oh <laughs> yeah so and to that note mike i would say versailles is probably one of our our home bases man like we would come yeah. i remember 
going. I remember how important your your grandpa was to to our dad, Dale. Um, it's fun. My first ministry, uh, the minister there, his name is Dale Day, and immediately I was like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "This is so weird." It was weird to me, yeah. And I remember, so yeah, I remember going to Versailles. We would just visit on the weekends from time to time. And I remember, and I hope, I hope I'm right when I say this. Was there a guy that like played the bells during worship or some sort? <laughs> there is. Uh, there, there is. is. Okay. He, he, well, there was. Yeah. Uh, he he he's no longer alive, but yeah. Okay. Man, those bells, man. He would sit up front. His name was Tom Skelton. Yeah. Tom Skelton, man, would just bang on them bells. That was uh, that was it. He built that himself too. Which wow. Is, wow. I don't yeah, even I, know what that instrument. I, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> man, that can you imagine if those bells were still in church today? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I'd love it. I dig it for sure. Uh, it's kind of like in its own way, a Wren collective, like Ooh, uh, before man. it's time. Yeah. Yep, it, absolutely. It, he, he was so Wren collective before Wren collective. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you remember that, but that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so you grew up you, and you came this way. I remember uh, your grandparents and, and your family to an extent coming and being a part of uh, the Versailles church for a long time. But um so uh, you grew you grew up in ministry. You uh, you traveled around. You moved to different places. I know at one point you were in Kentucky. You've been in Ohio, uh, maybe a little bit of Indiana. I don't know if he's yeah yep. uh, in Indiana as well. Um, just just that was life. Um, and then uh, things kind of took a turn uh, for the worst um, in the early two thousands. Uh, your dad uh, got cancer. Is that right? Yeah, correct. What, what type of cancer was that? Uh, well, um, if, if I remember correctly, and, and, and the way that I, because uh, I've actually gone back and asked uh, mom as well, because, uh, uh, you know, we were, gosh, Matt was, what, 12? Uh, yeah, 11 or 12 when he got it. Yeah, um, I was, you know, three years older than that, 15. Yeah. Um but but we've we've talked about it since, and and, and I'm pretty sure that it, it actually began in his kidneys, gotcha. um, if I remember correctly, and then it spread to his lungs um, from there, um, and it, it uh, continued to spread. But um, and, and I think he had several uh, malignant uh, lymph nodes as well. Um, but interestingly, and, and I don't know if <laughs> uh, it, it started, they, they thought he had pneumonia. Um, it was actually in October of 2003 um, that uh, they thought that he had um, pneumonia and treated him for pneumonia um, until he actually, I guess it was beginning of December um, before he was actually uh, diagnosed with cancer. And I believe the, the actual diagnosis was renal cell cancer, okay. if I, which is the cancer of the kidney. So, and I know you were younger, but was it pretty aggressive then? Did it move quick or was it something that was just something that happened over time and slowly was this big, long process that was kind of a fight? So I would say, um, I mean, at first, like Derek said, it, like we kind of just thought it was pneumonia. Uh, he just, he had a cough. <laughs> I remember him preaching and, and telling a story one time he, he was sleeping in a recliner and he just could not stop coughing. So he's, it was the middle, middle of the night, but he slammed the recliner shut and just said, he's like praying to God, like, man, if I just get angry enough, I'm going to fight this thing away. Um, and I think it was after that point where he's like, something, something's not quite right. And so that's when he got checked out. But 
Uh, I wouldn't say it was crazy aggressive at first. He actually had, um, I believe, Derek, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but we went up to Cleveland where he had that kidney removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, they just started to do procedures to, to try to help from any further spreading of the cancer. So he had it um, from 2003 up until 2005. Okay. So, yeah, so- Basically, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was probably, I mean, a little bit more than a year um, when, because he, he was diagnosed in, in December of 2003 um, and then actually passed away uh, January 2nd of uh, 2005. Um, so basically for the whole year of 2004, um, we, we were doing the cancer thing. I guess. So. Did he do any kind of chemo or any kind of? Yeah. Um, he had, uh, you know, chemo and, 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 uh, that, that didn't really seem to, to phase it. And so there was actually this experimental drug, uh, that he, uh, got uh, hooked up with, um, the summer of 2004. And that was probably, uh, he felt wonderful. I mean, it was a great summer. Um, but by the end of the summer, at the end of all of the, uh, um, that round or whatever the word is that round of, of treatment um the cancer hadn't shrunk any and hadn't gotten any better so um actually at that point um sorry I've, I, I knew i knew uh, some of these questions so I, I i got some notes in front of me but uh um it, it was in the fall of 04 uh, that he uh, went to uh, through cancer treatment centers of america yeah. Uh, did some stuff in Chicago, um, basically all of the fall of 04 um, was was in Chicago, uh, which was interesting for Matt and I because we uh, got to stay <laughs> extended periods of time with uh, some uh, friends and, and family in the, the church. And so yeah. we spent... Uh, got some interesting stories for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, d- challenging, uh, d- different things, uh, but... But how good it is, though, honestly, to now that I have kids, um, I can't imagine going through something like that. And like like in your mom's case or, or even in your dad's case, like I can't imagine um, having all that stuff that we're dealing with, plus my family and my kids, you know, and trying to figure out what I'm going to do while I'm trying to get this done. And um, so it definitely had to be a stressful situation. And, you know, on top of that, he was doing ministry at the time. So, you know, trying to figure out all of that and maintain that even while he's out and about, you know, trying to get the, the help that he needs um, to get past that. So, so there's a lot of things going on. And then in 2005, um, he lost that battle. And um, you said you were 15 at the time, Derek. Um, gosh. Um. <laughs> now you, you just turned. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so you I just turned 16. Yeah, right. he was 16. I was I was 13. No, thanks. Okay, so teenagers, teenagers, and uh, going through something that was super, super um, traumatic, and mm-hmm. in, in a teenager's life. Um, I mean, I can't imagine. You know, I'm I'm in my mid 30s now, and um, I can't imagine losing a, a parent at this age, let alone when I was a teenager. Um, and going through some of the stuff that y'all went through. Um, obviously, it, it shook you 
in a different way, but how did you, how did you respond? How did you, I mean, what, obviously you were, you were grieved, um, a little bit, but, um, what was, what was kind of your first reaction to everything that happened? I would say for me, um, honestly, in a lot of ways shock. I remember, um, we had, we had moved. So when we moved to, to Adams County, we had left Northern Kentucky. Um, dad was at a church there. And when we moved, I had left, um, my best friend, uh, probably my best friend, um, for at least up through high school, we stayed in touch. We're not super close now, but, um, growing up, like we were attached at the hip. And so I remember him calling me asking about like, Hey, I heard about your dad. Um, like that's crazy man to hear. And I, I just, I never thought that he was actually going to die from it. I don't know. It's like, you just don't, um, you just don't think that. I, I don't know why, maybe because I was young, I didn't really understand it completely yet, but I just, I never had a doubt in my mind that he was going to live. And then even I remember, cause we were there in the room um, when he passed, I just, I remember as he was passing, like, I just, I still didn't believe it. It was a weird, just like immediate denial. Um, and then you would wake up every day um, and just expect him to be there. And he wasn't. And I think the hardest part too, um, and Micah, you said you're mid thirties, like dad was only 40. Um, so that was, it just, it was such a, such a shock to us, to our church, um, to our family. Um, so it just, he, he was the, is, was the youngest of three. So our aunt and uncle. Um, so dad was the baby. Um, so it just was hard um, to, to see that happen to someone that was young, that was in ministry. And then almost like question, like, God, why would you allow this to happen to someone that's doing your, your work, like trying to, to point people to you? I don't, I don't understand. So for me specifically, I definitely feel just like this denial that I went through for, for quite a while, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, what about you? Yeah. I, um, I honestly, um, and I, and I didn't realize I guess I didn't realize it at the time. Um, but, but in a lot of ways, I just internalized a lot of it. Um, I, I kind of shut down uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and really a lot of looking back, a lot of high school um, was pretty ugly uh, for me. Um, and and uh, I mean, a lot of it was self-inflicted, um, but it was, I was just internalizing everything. I wasn't, um, really working through stuff. I mean, yeah, it's the same kind of situation as what, um, Matt said about the shock and everything, but, um, I mean, maybe cause I was a little bit older. Um, I, uh, I mean, you get to a point that you pretty well know, I mean, at least at what, for me at, at that time, I, we knew that, or I knew that, that he wasn't, he wasn't going to recover. Um, that didn't make it any easier. Um, but did that leave um, you in a way like, like when you knew that, did that give you like, did that, did you like ever sit down and say, man, like, how do, how do I prepare for something like this? Like, how do I, um, how do I, if I, if I, I feel like he's not going to make it through this, how do I prepare for life without him? Like, how do I, did you ever think that or was just like, well, maybe there's maybe something like we're praying for a miracle and maybe something like this can be overturned or changed or. So uh, I, I got pretty, 
bitter um, and in a lot of ways um, and, and for a lot of years. Um, I, I was very bitter um, about all of it. Um, like towards God or towards other people or towards just both. And, and yes. And <laughs> um, toward, towards other people, uh, toward, towards God, uh, you know, you, you do the churchy stuff, you do the things that are expected of the preacher's kid. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, and, and to be honest, uh, even after dad died, um, got really good at, uh, pretending, uh, at, at being, uh, the person that people expected to see when the show lights were on. Yeah. Um, but behind the scenes, uh, I was, I was super bitter. Um, and, and, and like, you, yeah, towards God, uh, towards, uh, family, um, you know, uh, to, to an extent, I mean, uh, there towards Matt, towards mom, um, uh, especially during high school, it was rough. Essentially um, just every, it's everybody, everybody else's fault <laughs> and that I'm going through this. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, to, to, to an extent that, that, that was a lot of that, um, was, you know, um, and, and I think even some of the bitterness started, um, even before he, he died because, um, you know, in the fall of Oh four, um, it was basically the situation had come down to the point that, um, short of putting dad into a coma, um, and hoping that he, that his body would do something different. Um, there, was nothing more that they could do. And so because dad, uh, chose not to, um, do that, they just sent us home. And so I'm sure that it was probably only a couple of weeks, but it felt like months, um, of, of dad, um, just slowly withering away, um, on our, <laughs> on our couch. Um, and, uh, Again, you, you get you get better. <laughs> kind of uh, this drawn out taxing. It was just taxing on everybody. Yeah, yeah. It did it, for me, and and this sounds it probably sounds terrible, um, but this is that bitterness. Um, you stop praying for healing and start praying that he'll just go <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. because it just gets um, to that point that. Uh, mm-hmm. That, uh, you don't want to you don't want to watch <laughs> your dad suffer yeah yeah and and i mean it, it was it, it got pretty ugly uh there at the end um and then yeah. of course again the bitterness for me uh from then on for a long time yeah now i'll speak into that just for a second too um yeah i mean derek was always closer with dad uh, he could resonate with dad a little bit better it's funny because they would in some ways butt heads sometimes, but it's because they're more similar than, than they were different. <laughs> and so um, for, for me, I still had mom and still, because I was close with mom. Um, and I, now looking back, it's easier to see how Derek struggled with, with that bitterness. Um, Cause he didn't just lose, just lose a, like we both lost our father, but Derek lost one of his best friends. Um, So it just, it was hard. Um, But on top of that, yeah, I mean, the last, 
last few weeks, couple weeks, I remember he would have hallucinations because um, he's on certain drugs and stuff, and yeah. he would get mad. I remember specifically one time he thought there was a <laughs> there was a ladder, and uh, there was a ladder inside of uh, the living room, and he wanted to uh, uh, Derek and I to move it and mom was just like just do it just like just move it and we're like what what are you talking about so yeah. we go we go to move it like literally put our hands out in the air and like pretend like we move it and we, we, he thought we were like making fun of him so, so we, we got in a little bit of trouble for that one but that that kind of stuff was just I mean it's hard it's hard to see it's hard to deal with yeah. as you know the, your dad's gonna that his time is coming to an end so yeah and, and just to kind of respond to that a little bit, um, at the time, it felt like, <laughs> and I think I even said it, and, and, and how foolish, you know, how silly for me to say, but again, because I was so embittered with everything, but I, I, I used to say that, and, and it, again, it sounds stupid to repeat it now, but, you know, uh, basically, you know, I lost dad, and you still have mom. Uh, when the reality is yeah. wow. my mom too, <laughs> you know, I still got mom too. Yeah. Um, but I just felt, uh, very alone. Uh, and, uh, again, a lot of that self-inflicted. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, um, I, I did not handle it healthily, I guess. And, I and not say. only that, she, you know, your mom, your mom was dealing as well. Right. I mean, she, yeah. yeah how selfish of me. Right. Um, she, she had lost a husband too, and she's trying yeah. to process it all the same way. I mean, all of, all of you were suffering because of it. Right. And yeah. it kind of had this, not just, not just your family, but also the effects of people around his ministry and the people that he was close to there. And, and, uh, I know, um, I remember, uh, very vaguely, but I remember people talking about it at, at Versailles. And I remember that, um, you know, my, my grandpa, he, 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 I remember him telling me, man, I've lost a really good friend today. Um, and, and their age difference was so much, I mean, you know, my grandpa was probably, gosh, in 2005 would have been, uh, in his mid to late sixties. Uh, I'm thinking something like that. And, um, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, that didn't matter to him because he considered your dad a, a real good friend. Um, in fact, um, I think he even, I think, and Derek, you've seen it and Matt, you probably have too, but he typed up this big, long letter about, you know, uh, what, what he meant to him as a friend. So, so what I'm telling you is the reason why I say that is because of the effects that happened. It, it didn't just affect you guys, even though it probably affected you the most. Um, it affected a lot of people, right. And there were a lot yeah. of people that were suffering through it and going through it. So, so you're going through that uh, you're trying, you're, you're, you're a little bit angry, a little bit bitter. Uh, Matt, you even said you were frustrated a little bit. Um, you know, kind of just why, you know, we're, we're doing what we're doing. We're, you know, we're, we're serving We're you know, my dad was working in the church. We were doing what we could. And essentially why, why do these things happen to people like us when we're just, and even at one point you had said, um, that it, it almost like it was, it wasn't real, right. It wasn't, mm -hmm didn't feel, um, didn't feel like, you know, okay, he's, he's probably not going to come through until a certain point later on. Um, so, so that was kind of the way you handled it. Um, would you say that people handle grief, uh, differently? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I I didn't go to I didn't go to school for a week and a half, and I think Derek went to school the next day. Um, yeah. So it's just it's interesting yeah. for sure to see to see how you you handle it. And I don't yeah. I don't know. It's because we were young. Um, I mean, I've dealt with my wife and I lost um, a child um, before they were born. And so I don't know if it changes the older you get or whatever, but I don't, it's hard for you to control how you handle it too. It's, it's almost a natural thing I've, I've noticed, at least in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we were both asked um, by teachers or I, I know at least by the principal, um, how we wanted to handle it um, as far as at school. And I didn't want anybody to know. Um, I, I didn't want any special announcement, any kind of, because I, I, I knew that there'd be the, the, well, at least as, as a sophomore in high school, you, you get the pity party from everybody and, and all that. And I just, I, I, I just wanted it to, let's just pretend like everything's normal. Yeah. Um, whereas again, I think Matt, um, I don't know how they told everybody, but I'm pretty sure, uh, didn't you decide that, um, you know, that, that it was okay to tell, tell folks, I guess, or. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a decent sized friend group. I think my assistant principal at the time went to, went to our church. Um, so it was very, very, I mean, our, the community is a small community where, where we were at the time. So the news, news kind of travels pretty quick. So a lot of my friends knew, um, but yeah, I just, I couldn't focus on anything. I remember for the next, um, I mean, honestly <laughs> for a while, but, uh, I just, I needed some time before I could go back in the classroom. I was in sixth grade. Um, and it just was, for me, it was just too much at one time. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay. So fast forward, fast forward through, you know, up till now. Okay. That's, you said 2005, that would have been what, 16 years ago. Um, fast forward 16 years to where you're at now. Um, do you still feel uh, some of those effects? I mean, some of the things that even though it happened so long ago, um, it happened 16 years ago, you still uh, sometimes feel those effects, feel the, um, of, of not may maybe having um, a dad, maybe, maybe for like, uh, like, like when you had kids or, when you, you know, you're in ministry now and you, you think, man, I wonder if, you know, what dad, you know, I wish my dad would be able to, hear, to see this or, or, or maybe uh, I wish my dad was here to give me some advice because this, this ministry thing is for the birds or whatever. Do you ever, you ever feel those effects even, even now? All the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for yeah. me, I mean, all the time. Um, you know, with, especially with like ministry stuff, boy, I, 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 uh, <laughs> or even just other things, um, parenting type stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll call mom and, and, uh, you know, I'll tell her, I said, listen, I, I need some dad advice. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, and, and, and she, she has always uh, done her best. Um, or, you know, th th there's situations where, you know, dad was a man's man. Uh, he, he was, uh, he, he knew how to fix things. he, uh, knew how to build things. Um, he uh, worked uh, as a uh, uh, had a, had a shop that he uh, worked at, uh, like bivocationally for some years. 
um, in our basement. Um, and uh, he, he was just a, a man's man all around. Um, and, and there have been so many times where uh, I have to rely on, which is, I'm thankful that I have folks to rely on, um, but I have to rely on folks um, to help me get things done. Even silly things like around the church building or, uh, you know, we let, I'll give you an example. We just bought a new uh, dishwasher. Uh, and I had to get one of the guys from the church to help me install it because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And those are the kinds of things that, you know, um, I probably would have learned <laughs> or, or had, a, you know, at least some idea um, uh, from, from dad, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and, and there's been, yeah, I remember, uh, I know, well, I remember a few years back, I was dealing with something ugly in, in ministry. And, uh, I remember calling mom and, uh, just, I mean, I, I, I was a mess. I was mad. I was angry. I was crying. <laughs> and, and I remember just telling her, I said, I, I, I so wish I could just ask dad what he would do in this situation. Um, so I feel it all the time. Yeah. Um, Two, two years ago, I think it was, I officially have, I officially had lived longer without dad than I lived with dad. Um, so he died when I was 13 and then 14 years later, I remember that specifically just hitting me weird that year um, yeah. to think that, that he's been gone longer than I had li lived with him. And so I think growing up, <clears throat> um, those are some crucial years, 13 to, to 18 <laughs> um, and kind of not, I wouldn't say fending for myself. I mean, I definitely had some, some men in my life. Um, I worked at a, at a church camp um, and those men really loved and poured into me and different, different people throughout the church, but there is something different about it being your own father for sure. Um, and graduating high school, graduating college, getting married, having kids, um, there are, there are moments where you, you take, I think you take for granted, um, having your parents there in those moments, um, unless you realize what it's like when they're gone. And so, um, for sure. I mean, it's funny though, um, to look back and Derek and I have talked about this before. Um, the, the interesting thing about all of this though, is if I could go back and like press a button and, and magically say like, if, if I press this button, then dad's going to live, dad's going to survive, would I do it? And my first reaction is like, of course, like, duh, like, why would, why in the world would I not do that? Yeah. But the longer we've, the longer I've lived without him, the more and more things have happened since then um, that I'm like, you know, I don't know if this would have happened if dad was here and yeah. not, not in a bad way, but like, I don't know if I would have met my wife if my dad was still alive. So I don't know if I would have my son or like, there's so many things that, despite all that has happened and all the things that we've gone through, it's, it's interesting to me all these years later, how I can look back and see time and time again, how God has used it for his good. And, and honestly, uh, like in, in bless blessings in my life, like despite that he's, he's turned it into something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those turn a burden into a blessing type thing, mm -hmm. you know, took a, took a, a low moment in your life and turned it into a high moment. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. No, you know, um, there are probably a lot of people who are going to listen to this, who maybe are, or have, uh, 
struggle with with grief. They struggle with how to how to handle different things, or maybe they've went through a loss of a, a child, or or they went through um, a loss of a family member, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was just um, dealing with divorce or dealing with um, something that that has really rocked them emotionally. Um, if you guys could give like one piece of advice to someone who's been through this, what, what would you say? What, what would be the one thing you would say like, Hey, this is a way you can, cause we said everybody grieves differently, right? I mean, some people, they cry at the funeral, right? Other people, you know, it's, you know, three months later in a Walmart parking lot, they just lose it. I mean, all of a sudden, because, you know, or whatever, or some people handle things differently. I know people who, um, I don't want to say they joke around, but sometimes they laugh a little bit at the visitation or stuff like that, because that's how they handle their grief is with, with humor. Um, you know, because if they didn't laugh, then they would cry, you know, or whatever. Um, what, how would you, if you had one piece of advice for, for someone who maybe is going through or has, or even will, um, one day, what would you say is that one piece of advice on how to deal with situations like this? Go ahead, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. Oh, uh, gosh. What, what, uh, that's a tough one because, I, I mean, I'm still figuring it out myself, you know. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I would say, um, and this is something that I did not do well, um, but, I, but I would say uh, love your family uh, and hold your family close uh, to the best of your ability. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I mean, um, you know, that's, uh, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, get, regardless of how you deal with, um, grief, um, you, you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's, that's something that I, in a lot of ways, I, I hurt myself cause I, ostracized myself from others yeah um and uh you know i I have a close preacher friend um who uh it seems simple but but it's really uh, great advice or great uh reminder um and that's just simply that uh, we need god and we need each other um and that's uh you know something that um i think is true in grief as well as is um don't ostracize yourself uh, from God, <laughs> obviously. And some people would say on top of that, they would say um, that that's kind of, because you know, when you go to a funeral, you go to something like that. A lot of times you don't really know what to say. Um, there's nothing you can say that ever could change the situation, but sometimes just being there for other people. Yeah. Uh, hey, can I help you with this? Do you need anything? Or just sometimes sitting. I know a lot of times, like even in Bible times, people would, uh, they would go over to each other's houses and just sit, right? And just sit with them. And just, that was kind of their way of saying, hey, I'm here for you, whatever you need. So, yeah, that's good. Matt, Matt, what about you? I would say, um, and I, I didn't do this until it was offered offered to me for free when I got into college um, by a professor, uh, which was great. Um, but don't be afraid, especially within Christian and church circles. I feel like, and it may not be this way so much anymore, but for a while it was almost taboo to go see professional counseling. Um, almost like this negative connotation around it because, well, that means you have problems. Like, 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> we all do. We're all, me- we're all messed up uh, big time, whether we want to admit it or not. And so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I think for the first time um, in my life where I really was able to verbally express what I went through and, and try to deal with it, um, I met with, gosh, man, over probably a, a 12-week period where I just kind of unloaded the things that I dealt with through the, through all that. And my professor um, at the time really just helped me kind of walk through that and do some some things that, that helped me deal with that grief. And that was when I was in my 20s. And so years later, after, that's when I really like actually dealt with um, some of that stuff that I didn't know at the time. Like, even though even though I internalized, uh, even though I didn't realize at the time I had also internalized some of that stuff. Um, and so it was good for me to do some of that counseling. And so I just think not having fear to, to go get some counseling. Uh, it's okay. It's as, uh, Trevor, um, the, the minister here always says it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I think that's been, that's been a huge realization for me since then. Cool. Yeah. So, so, so loving on the ones that you, you know, that are around you letting, you know, kind of uh, hang into those cling to those who are, who are close to you and then not being afraid to, um, to express it and to share it with other people and talk it out. Sometimes I think what we try to do, and I do this a lot with a lot of things is I like to sweep things under the rug. Problem is, is that, you know, it gets to a boiling point where eventually it just explodes and comes out anyways. Right. Uh, and, and probably a worse way than, than me just, handling it from the get-go and acknowledging what it is. Uh, sometimes we have a good way of hiding it. So um, that's really good stuff. I know, like I said, I know there's people that are going to be listening to this who uh, maybe have went through something similar uh, to what you guys have. And I thank you guys so much for uh, hopping on here uh, for a little bit today, just to talk a little bit about it and, and to share. Um, like I said, um, my people that I'm, that I'm around, they had nothing but lots of respect for your dad and think that he was such a great dude. Um, and in turn, uh, I know that he had a hand in it. I know, um, like I said, you guys were younger when it happened, but I know he had a hand in, uh, as with your mom and help raising you guys into who you are now. Now you guys are doing awesome things, both of you, um, killing it where you're at. And uh, just uh, super thankful for you guys and your friendship and your encouragement and, and hopping on here. So appreciate you guys. Um, and, uh, and we'll talk to you later. For sure, man. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, this has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week. And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.